Logos Mobile Education provides seminary-level course content to anyone right where they are. We work with world-class scholars to carefully craft a learning experience that only Logos could deliver. Visit logos.com slash mobile ed to start learning today. Hello, this is Scott Lindsay, and I'm with Faith Life. And here for a podcast today, I'm going to interview the team that just went to Israel to film a brand new mobile ed course. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? So I'm Ruben Evans. I'm the director and the producer on this project called Archaeology in Action. I'm Josh Gray, the director of photography and the unit B director. I'm Chris, and I uh, helped out producing. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about this new course called Archaeology in Action, Biblical Archaeology in the Field. All right. So, uh, you know, our CEO, Bob Pritchett, had an idea that he wanted to be able to put together a product for our customers to be able to transport them to the Holy Land where they could actually see and learn the steps of getting into the ground and digging up the artifacts and understanding what is the actual background to the background material that we read about in commentaries and theology books. So that's what we did. Took a crew from here, went and did, I think, a couple dozen interviews with PhDs and experts all throughout the Holy Land and covered uh, a basic overview of the field and techniques of archaeology from digging all the way to the presentation in a museum. Awesome. So I have seen uh, documentaries and such on archaeology. What what would be the benefit of having this as a course uh, inside of Logos Bible Software? What are some of the perks uh, or highlights, if you will, for having this, owning this content? Well, the cool thing is that this is a mobile ed course. So that means that the video component is a main component, but it's not the only thing. So as you're working through the course and you're seeing archaeologists actually teach you how to use a trowel, how to use a patiche, how to read the stratigraphy in a dig site then those things are going to be linked to resources that talk about archaeology and then you'll there'll be course objectives and learning objectives and we actually have an instructional designer right here at Logos go through all this video material and um, we'll create screencasts that will tie into what you're learning and teach you kind of how to build on what you're learning and how to use Logos Bible software in that. So Josh and Chris... Um probably had an idea, obviously, of what archaeology is. Now that you have gone and experienced this and filmed this, what are some of the takeaways for you on the field of archaeology? Man. I'd say the a huge thing is just how much goes into getting it all set up, how much work these people go through just to be able to get the permitting and everything and how they find a location. All of these things you just don't think about when you, in National Geographic or something, see an archaeology find or something like that, it's just there and you're like, wow, that's awesome. Being on the site, seeing these people and hearing the process that they went through um, and being in a film crew, we deal with those kinds of things as well. People just see a finished product. It's two minutes long. It's like, oh, cool. It's like, well, you don't know all the work that went on behind the scenes for months beforehand to make this a reality and all the hands that were a part of this to create it. And it's the same thing being there um, some of them were saying they would find the owners of the land and just become friends with them, sometimes for years, working on this relationship to let them know that what they're doing is just to advance um, knowledge. It's not to 
paint this group of people in a certain way or this people in a certain way. And sometimes that takes a long time to grow trust on these people who own the land that you're asking to dig up because you believe there's something down there. And so that was quite a process of learning all that. Yeah. I think for me, the, uh, like how specific everything was when we were there, I picture Indiana Jones and like swinging through and just like breaking down things and finding all these artifacts. But like they would, uh, dig in like these squares, like straight down, sifting through, looking at every piece of dirt that they found. They would like take the dirt out, sift through it. Um, and they're looking through everything. So that's, it takes a long time. And like, we'd see things and they'd look at them and then they'd like bury them back up because it's better to be underground than taking them out. So they're very careful with everything that they find. And, um, that was the interesting thing, how slow and specific they were with everything. You probably saw a side uh, of dedication that you've probably never seen before. I mean, like, like I said, I've never been on a fine. I'm, I'm very excited about going through this course because it's always uh, fascinated me. Like when people find things and, and uh, it truly is a science. I mean, it is, it is a field of study with very precise rules and regulations. And right. So that's, that's amazing. Um, so tell us a couple places you went, you know, what did, what did a day look like? Uh, I mean, did you stop, were you one place for most of the, most of the trip or were there a few key places? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, for us, most days started, we're, we're about 18 hours long. So we'd wake up in the morning so we can catch some early light and get out to some overlook or whatever and shoot some some time lapse of maybe it's the Sea of Galilee or downtown Tel Aviv. Uh, but then we'd head out to these actual live dig sites that are happening. Uh, one of the highlights, I think, for us was uh, a dig site named Hokuk um, or Hokok. And that dig site was run by uh, Dr. Jody Magnus, who is known as probably the preeminent archaeologist in the nation of Israel. I mean, the moment that her name came up, it didn't matter where we were at, the doors just opened. Oh, you're working with Dr. Magnus. Oh, come on in. And uh, so that was, that was really, that was really cool. Um, and uh, it just, there, there are so many cool sites uh, that we went to. Were there any highlights for you guys? Well, we stayed in Jerusalem for a while and then we headed to Tel Aviv, like you said. Um, I think that was the main places we based off of because our team stayed together for a little while in Jerusalem and then we went to Tel Aviv, but then we split into two teams because we just had so many people to interview and stuff. So where did you go at that point? Yeah, we went to El Makatir, which is, uh, they think, is the biblical city of Ai or Ai, where Joshua had that famous battle. Um, that's in the West Bank. And uh, we spent a little time in Tiberias as well. And mm -hmm. uh, you guys went up to Galilee. Yeah. Yeah, Galilee was really fun. I really like that. I think the highlight for it was just seeing all the different places, seeing the biblical names as soon as you got out of the airport, just to see all these spots on street signs. You're like, oh, those are still here. And this is a real place. So that was pretty surreal. I think for me, that was the fun part. Yeah. See, I've never been to Israel. I'm going for the first time next year. So for me, going through this course is going to be, I mean, it's just going to get me more and more excited, but you're right. I mean, I lived in Europe for four years and went to Philippi. And, and so when you read these cities in the Bible, it just, it does something different to you. Right. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I can, I can, you know, put a face to a name, so to speak. Um, so what would be, um, you know, what would be the goal, if you will, of this course? Some, someone buys this, what are, what are the hopes that you had in filming this and putting this together, uh, wrapping the technology around the content? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the, the cool thing is that 
So if somebody wanted to go and participate in a dig in Israel, this would be like the ultimate course to take in preparation. Because we saw kids as young as nine years old and people up in their 60s or 70s on these sites, they were volunteers. And a lot of people don't realize that it's actually that accessible to go and help dig up stuff from 3,000 years ago. And so this is a fantastic way to prepare yourself if you wanted to go. And if you didn't want to go, let's say you were you know, a pastor or a Bible teacher, to be able to actually understand the effort and the specific techniques that go into unearthing uh, these materials give you such a greater confidence when you're looking at the scriptures. Uh, Craig Evans has a term that he used here called verisimilitude, that in other words, when you go and you start digging stuff up in the ground, it looks like, it sounds like, it what you see in the New Testament, it corroborates uh, the historical reliability of the, of the Gospels, his area of specialty. But if you were to go and, you know, you, people know like the Da Vinci Code and you pull up some of these Gnostic Gospels and things that were written quite a bit after the New Testament time, they don't have that same verisimilitude. They don't sound like, look like, feel like the stuff that you dig up out of the ground. And I think that's the most powerful thing, whether you're going to go to Israel or you're not. So you mentioned Dr. Craig Evans. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. He he was with you. Uh, what were some of the, uh, who were some of the other scholars that were there that participated uh, in the shoot? Yeah, so Dr. Craig Evans was was really kind of our, our point person, and we were working with him and the relationships that he's had with just, uh, I think it's over 20 trips to Israel. Um, Dr. Jody Magnus uh, we that we mentioned um, but then we also worked with like Dr. Adolfo Reutemann, who's the curator of the Shrine of the Book, which I think is the most awesome title anyone could have. <laughs> but the Shrine of the Book is where the Dead Sea Scrolls are housed in the Israel National Museum. And so we were able to go to the Israel Museum and see them and film the scrolls. Um, we're also able to work with uh, Dr. Scott Stripling, who was able to uh, uh, open a sealed locus, a rock that hadn't been opened in 2,000 years. We were able to capture that live on camera and they were able to open that locus and, and go through and actually show us what it's like to dig up pottery sherds that haven't been touched for 2,000 years. When we were on that dig, as a matter of fact, one of the other people in one of the other squares found a little scarab. And a scarab is like a, it's a small... Um, oval object that was used to maybe seal letters and things like that, as I understand it. And when they took a look at that, they're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And we were not totally sure what we have here, but they're like, this could be dating from the 18th dynasty in Egypt. And this is this was found in a layer of the city that had burn areas. So now they're not for sure, and they'll have to look at those things. And But it's just amazing to see these kind of things coming up out of the ground and um and just seeing these experts marvel at what they're pulling out. Yeah, there was two major discoveries while we were there. Is this one of them that you're talking about? Yeah, or? the scarab is It was one of them. They've only found two of these scarabs in, I believe, the 18 to 20 years that they've been digging at that site. And um, that could really help us in understanding, is this truly, you know, the city of Ai? And, and was it destroyed at this time? Uh, they have to have a... a an Egyptologist take a look at it and you don't want to jump to any conclusions, but we do for sure see a scarab came out and yeah, probably from Egypt. It's really cool. Um, then Josh was filming 
uh, a mosaic that came out as well. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. So it was the Church of the Annunciation. So there they were just like we were, they were just in the process of, they hadn't known it's there. They already started digging there at that site, but we got there just in time to when they actually started brushing the dirt away. And um, they knew that it was big and they thought that it was going to have some good colors and all of that kind of stuff. And the thing with these is you only have hours. They open it up, they put water on it because the water will show you the colors mm -hmm. and yeah. then they bury it again. And that's it because once they do that, it starts uh, decomposing and all that stuff. And so they only do this once just to take some pictures and do that. And we were there um, in the midst of all of this happening. It's a big deal to the church because it dated to... I think the fourth or fifth century yeah. right there. It, wasn't it featured in a magazine or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I saw it on the website, archaeology.com, something right when I got back. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Some so that, I mean, we were right there. I mean, the church leaders were there. It's a big deal to them. Um, city people were there. The archaeologists were stoked because this is a big find for them. So being in this whirlwind of all this happening all at the same time and being there for that moment, um, it was pretty spectacular. So you said they, they open this up, pour some water, you see it, and then they bury it. They're never going to look at that. I mean, not explain never, that to me. but it will be a long time. So there are literally things in this course that might never be seen again for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. So we had the opportunity to film on um, really high quality, the red camera system. And so we got footage of this mosaic in, I believe in 5k. Wow. Um, resolution. But we did that because, yeah, we, we were the only film crew there and wow. they won't open this up for years and years and years. They, I mean, there's only specific reasons that you would want to do that because every time you do it, you're destroying it. And so wow. they got a couple of pictures on a high quality, just photo camera, but we got a ton of footage of this that no one else is going to have access to in a long time. Yeah. It's, it, 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 we got to do that one. Uh, Jody Magnus had a similar mosaic that we weren't there for the unearthing of because that was happening the week following our trip. Um, but for her mosaic, like National Geographic came out to film it and to, to feature it. Mm. So we were just there a week ahead of uh, Nat Geo. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Wow. Now you mentioned, Ruben, a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, uh, about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about the importance, the significance of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, why anyone would need to know anything about the Dead Sea Scrolls. So the Dead Sea Scrolls are, are commonly understood to be the most significant archaeological find in history. Um, they are from the time before Jesus, and they were found out in the desert in a set of caves in an area called Qumran. And we were actually able to get out there and get some awesome footage of the Qumran caves and the thing about the scrolls is that it helps us to understand the religious climate and the religious thinking and uh, about the time of Jesus since they were written shortly before. So a lot of the things that we find in the scrolls um, help to illuminate that. But in addition, when the scrolls were found, they were the earliest manuscripts of the Old Testament by a thousand years compared to what we had had previously. And they are amazingly similar. And for me personally, it's just a testimony to the preservation of God's word and throughout time. And that is just a tremendous thing to see and then to see displayed. And you'll 
You'll even learn about how they hang them and what are the angles and how do how is it preserved and how is it presented to the public uh, for people from all around the world to come and look at. Hmm. All right, so you mentioned 18-hour days. A lot of work went into this, uh, but you had to have had some fun. I mean, you're in a... Uh, you've never been before, right, no, to Israel? Yeah, so what were... Uh, and so tell us a little bit about the culture, what it was like just being with the people, eating the food, but also... Someone addressed there was a story about a tarantula. So you can do that first, later, whatever, but fun. Tell us about what it was like being in Israel for the first time. Well, since we're talking about Qumran, one night after a very long day of filming, Qumran's by the Dead Sea, and we were getting just awesome shots. The, the whole day was just an awesome production day. We just got everything. Everything went smooth, and we were ending it with just like the perfect shots. And... However, this was going to be the last time that we were going to be around the Dead Sea and none of us had been there and all of us wanted to go float in the Dead Sea, of course. And so we got all these shots and we packed in the cars and we just started hustling down the road trying to find where we could just find somewhere to pull over and hop in the Dead Sea and finally did. And that was a pretty fun experience. Like it was late, we were tired, but man, we all just ran out there, just hopped in the Dead Sea. And it's like having floaties on. It was surreal and i'm a big guy i floated in like a half foot of water wow above the water yeah you can sit up yeah yeah you can very bizarre you can just stand because in the states you still use floaties right right yeah still <laughs> yeah, so that was nice not having to bring those with you <laughs> yeah it was incredible the dead sea for sure was it was very bizarre actually to be able to float like that all right what were some other fun thing or food what was the i mean again i've never been have no clue they just don't mi mix their dairy and their meat Okay. So that takes a lot of things off the table. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, it was cool. We went, at, we, it was interesting. We, uh, we had dinner uh, with Craig Evans and then one of the, um, the, uh, uh, ladies who run all the kind of film permissions and things like that at the Israel museum. And where we ate, uh, that night was at a restaurant that was, um, in Israel but it was a city that was, that you typically would have thought would be Palestinian um, people. Um, they or you know, and the thing about it, this particular city is that they, when Israel was created, that they wanted to be part of Israel and not actually separate into you know what is known as West Bank or Gaza or something like that. Hmm. And so we are, we're actually able to have like a traditional you know kind of this Palestinian or Arab Israeli meal there that was pretty cool. It was actually the best food that I had any anywhere in the country. So hmm. it was just interesting to see the just such a mix of of cultures and uh, yeah, than what you just you know kind of hear on the news. So obviously the film crew production, you guys, but I heard also uh, one of our own, Dr. Uh, Greg Monette went, what, what significance did he play in the trip and, and things like that? Yeah, Greg was awesome. He, he's, he's an associate producer on it. And so he helped connect us to quite a few of the archaeologists who were there. And yeah, he had been to Israel a couple of times actually with Dr. Craig Evans. And so he was able to just... Um, you know, take us to different places that, that he had remembered. And one of them was actually this tomb that was off the beaten path. Uh, no signs, no tourists. We were just uh, up on a hill in the Arab part of Jerusalem. And uh, we had to, uh, there, there was a little hole that you kind of had to carve down in. And you had to move some rocks aside, sort of slip down into a small area that was you know, half this height of this room. And... Um, put in there one after the other, and then you slide down another little slide where you're sending down gear, and then you're in another little room, 
And um, just to clear things up, I didn't go. <laughs> I definitely stayed back. I did not slip through all these rock holes. I stayed by the car and watched the gear. Yeah, while in Hezekiah's Too tunnel, scary. Chris discovered that uh, he doesn't like small confined spaces. <laughs> so I stayed way back. That was earlier on the trip that we <laughs> discovered that Chris does not come in small places with us. Nope. Yeah. Got out of there fast. So he didn't get to go and into This is the all them, and I'm very tomb. happy that it's all them. Yeah. And we had to have somebody who stayed needed to stay with the gear anyway. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Worked out. So you were the gear bodyguard. Gladly. Yeah. Gladly the gear <laughs> bodyguard. <laughs> Tell us the story about the tarantula. I keep hearing. I haven't heard he, the story. He's yet. going on it. Yeah, oh, that, I stayed oh, way back. Right. Oh, yeah, so we're you. down in here, right? It's a small confined room down there, and you get in, and, and on four sides of this little room, or or a couple sides of it, there are these cutouts where bodies were placed, and this dates to the time of Jesus. And they even think that one of the priests, uh, as mentioned in the Gospels, was probably buried in this tomb. And um, there are cutouts, and even in one of the cutouts there were some bones that pieces of bone, human remains right there. And then there's a sealed part of this tomb uh, that, that had been recently opened. And so Craig Evans was sat down and he was telling us about it, that this tomb is so important because it was called Hansen's tomb because when they removed the rock from the sealed uh, tomb, they found a body in there. And this wasn't too long ago. And when they pulled the body out, it was still wrapped in its grave clothes. And when they unbound the head, they pulled it off and the scalp it was still preserved after 2,000 years. And they were like, what in the world? Why wasn't, this, <laughs> why wasn't this disturbed? Well, they found out that Hansen's tomb is called that because Hansen's disease, as I understand it, is the same as leprosy. And this was the body of a leper. And that's why that body hadn't been disrupted. And this was the first evidence of leprosy that um, we've ever found from that time period in the Bible. And as Craig Evans is telling us about the leprosy in the dark tomb with the human remains, he jumps up, he looks down, it's like, oh, and a huge tarantula jumps out from behind the rocks, skirts over, and people are starting to shout, kill it, kill it. Josh is here in flip-flops. That was a poor decision of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to avoid flip-flops and there's a, a creature that wants to kill us all and we're in a tiny room and there's five of us there's five of us in the room five grown men in a tiny room and that's when the tarantula decides to come out pop out brian one of the guys other he he then reveals he's scared of spiders so people are just jumping around people are shouting kill the thing kill the thing. and i'm shouting no no Shoot it first. <laughs> so Josh scrambles over in his flip-flops and the camera gets the thing in focus so that we've got evidence of this. And then we proceed to kill the tarantula. Uh, but the first time that I hit it with a rock, it didn't kill it. It just started bleeding out of its abdomen. So now there's this angry, ticked off oh. tarantula running around. And so we, we, you know, go to pound the thing. Ah! And everyone's screaming and then we got this on and then finally kill it. You know, his legs are flying off of its body and they're still jumping around all over. And uh, Craig Evans settles down, moves to the other side of the tomb, crawls in some space, starts talking again, trying to finish his story about leprosy while sitting, you know, in front of the leper's tomb with the tarantula parts all over the ground and everyone's a little a little on edge and so he goes to show that one of the 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 rocks was moved away he pulls it away out comes another tarantula which i jump up and start smashing we didn't even get that one on immediately there was not a 
moments spared. <laughs> it's like stop moving rocks. <laughs> yes. Right. And mind you, we have been in the tomb for an hour. How long were we gone? You might have gauge two time. Hours. We were gone for yeah, two was, hours. Yeah. We were at least in this tomb in this little confined space recording, filming. Craig Evans giving some teachings on the significance of this find. And about 45 minutes later, after we've all been hanging out and me and my flip-flops and shorts, the tarantula comes out. And then like 10 minutes later, the second tarantula. So we've been hanging out for a while. Yeah. So after killing two tarantulas, I pretty much now have that on my list of the highlights of Israel. It's just could tarantula you, could killer. Could you hear this going on? Oh, no. They were, uh, I mean, they, they were, were up down, down. deep down into the, into the ground. Glad, I was gladly taking a nap. <laughs> through that all <laughs> watching the gear you mean yes so who would you say this course is for i mean uh obviously there's doctors there and it's archaeology i mean is this strictly academics just for the pastor it's just for uh the scholar the professor or is this really for everybody yeah it's i'd say this is for everybody i mean we all went and we're not scholars by any means and uh the exciting thing about going with dr evans is it's really accessible like we were there, uh, we talked about before we were there for 18 hours like our days were really long you hear about the things we we're shooting so we got so much on camera and really we didn't stop shooting the whole time so all these stories we actually have them on camera so it's really accessible like I learned a lot I think everybody learned a lot so I think it's really I mean it's, we want everybody to be able to watch this Am I, I right? mean I think earlier kind of Ruben was mentioning how on the dig sites we were finding that there was young kids all the way up to pretty old elderly people on these digs. And I think a lot of the times you just think, well, archaeology is for, you know, professors and really smart people. Um, however, we found that really anyone who's willing and has an interest in archaeology at all, um, it could be a reality that you could go and do this. And I think this course is definitely for anyone who has any interest at all in that field. This would be an awesome introduction. You would be set up so good if you contacted anyone who has a dig site and you were able to tell them like, Hey man, I saw you in this, you know, how to do archeology span course. And I went through the whole thing and I would love to be a part of this dig and yeah. be in They'll the take midst you. of that. You just raise your funds and then you go for a couple of weeks yeah. in the summer. And that would kickstart you in what you are doing. I think way ahead of everyone else. And Josh, you said watching the video footage is better than even being there. <laughs> even better well i i in talking about this the last couple of days my mom this is like her dream is she mm -hmm. she will go dig up anything anywhere <laughs> so the idea of going to israel to do this is mm -hmm. i know she's already purchased or definitely going to purchase this course um so on that note though what what would say uh pick one or two things you felt uh you know flying home reflecting on what you'd done over the last two weeks or so, just things that impacted you about the trip, Mis misconceptions, ways you think about things differently, uh, and, and how maybe this will also impact our audience for this course. Ruben. Boy, I, I mean, it's the thing about it that struck me is just how uh, tedious and how uh, meticulous maybe is even a better word these archaeologists are. I mean, some of these sites, you know, are live for 20 years and they go back over and over again. Uh, one site at El Maketeer, a bunch of the stuff was destroyed one year at a time. They had, they had got one chance in there 
took their took their pictures and then they they only dig for a couple weeks a year really and so it's amazing how they just go through one layer at a time documenting what they find and recreating this world that these people live in and it strikes you that it's the same world the bible describes Josh I'd say I mean growing up in a christian household growing up going to a youth group and all these things and reading the bible all of that um once you're once the plant the the plane landed and we're walking out and like chris was saying earlier instantly there are street signs and names of cities and it's like oh these are the places that I, my whole life i've read about and you know it's real and you've looked at maps and it's real but when you're there it is very real you're there and this is where it was and and like the something that i never thought about is archaeology I don't think many people in the church are sitting around thinking about archaeology when they're reading the Bible. Um, these archaeologists, I think, are so passionate about it because of how much light it sheds to the writings of all these ancient writings. Um, so much of that, you can't really know what it was like until they unearth something. And like, instance, the we were somewhere out. What dig site was it where we... They were finding that they were manufacturing lamps. Oh, so it was Nazareth, right? So yeah, yeah it was awesome. And so before finding this dig site, which was just found not too long ago. Or no, that was that was Shikin, where they were manufacturing the right. lamps. And then we saw some of those lamps in Nazareth, right. I think. And so before actually finding it in because of archaeology, it was thought, well, they were out in the, you know, county. They don't really make money. In fact, they were probably poor peasants. And that logically makes a lot of sense without any information. However, then they start digging this out and they start finding out, oh man, this is a out in the middle of nowhere factory making lamps that we're finding all over the region. Mm -hmm. So yeah. in fact, they were making an okay living. And that's just stuff that you can't know until you go out and dig it up. And that was every single place there's things that are shedding light on the Bible and the, these places in the Bible that you just can't know until you dig it out of the earth. Yeah. I think mine's going to relate a lot to Josh's, but like uh, when you're reading the Bible, growing up in a Christian home, to me, at least a lot of it, you're trying to read it and it seems almost like a fantasy land a little bit. You're trying to imagine what these places look like. Um, but once you get there, it's a lot like if we were writing a book about Washington or where we're at, or talking about Seattle. Like Seattle is a real place. And Nazareth is a real place. Galilee is a real place. And so going there and driving the roads, driving through the valleys and being like, man, this in this general area is where people walked. This is like, we went on roads where like, Jesus could have walked here. And like the, mm -hmm. the disciples could have walked here and to be there. And like, this is a real spot. It's not a, for so long trying to like, um, make it up in my head of what this place could look like. Well, we wouldn't visit a lot of these places and the landscape, just knowing the landscape and knowing what it looks like. So going back and reading the Bible is, it is very different. It's you, you can picture a lot and that's, what's exciting about the whole course too, is we filmed so much of it, so much of the landscape. What does it look like? What is it like being there? I mean, we, I don't think we ever had our cameras not rolling. That's the exciting part. So this last question might be for selfish reasons, but I'm going to Israel for the first time next year and you're all married, right? Spouses right. probably a little nervous about you going over there where all this <laughs> turmoil is happening. What what would you uh, say to someone who's contemplating going to Israel for the first time? What was your experience like? Go. Safety, those kind of concerns. 
Yeah, stay home and buy the course. Yeah. <laughs> stay <laughs> home. Go. We'll go well, for you. Save, save yourself yeah. a lot of money there, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'd say I've been to a couple places in the world and some of which are maybe a little more sketchy than others. And um, going to Israel, it was funny telling people, oh, I'm going to Israel. There's two reactions from people. One is from the person who's gone. And it's, oh, that's so awesome. You're going to have such a great time. The other is the person who's never been and doesn't probably plan on going. And it's, oh, be safe. Right, right. <laughs> um, once we got to Israel, it was, I felt extremely safe. Um, it felt just like the States. In reality, the road systems are awesome. People are super friendly. Um, I drove I mean, the whole time. Yeah, Chris was our driver. Wow. Killer job. Yeah. Did awesome. Um, I mean, Tel Aviv looks like a California little mm -hmm. town on the water. Beach, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't feel unsafe ever. We did go to a dig site at El Mancatir where we were situated right between a small town that was a Palestinian town. And on just to your left and just to the right on the other side of the highway was a small Jewish settlement. And uh, we had a couple guards with us with machine guns there. And uh, we were told that that Jewish settlement actually got started because a Jewish person was killed on that spot. And the next day they started to put up tents and start that settlement there as sort of a, uh, a, a statement. Wow. So wow. that was in the, in the West bank area. Um, you know, uh, so there's definitely, there's definitely tension when you get outside and, you know, into some of those areas, but, um, yeah, I don't think I ever felt unsafe. I mean, I think it's a lot like going anywhere. Just make sure that you're going with the right people who know where to go. You don't want to go to New York and not go with someone who knows. But the one the thing area I've, I've heard from, because I mean, you meet people go to Europe, they go to right. India, they go to, you know, I adopted from China. But the one thing I've heard from most everyone that's gone over there is it's really a life changing experience to, to be there, to walk the streets. Yeah. To, wow. Definitely well, go. Definitely. If you're thinking about it. Yeah. After you buy the course. Yeah. yeah and definitely, definitely buy the course. There you go. That's the uh, hors d'oeuvre to the meal down <laughs> there the you road. Go. There Absolutely. You go. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm downloading as soon as it's released. Um, and I know my mom, she's, she's probably wanting it first. Yeah. That's so, the cool uh, thing too. Like on the pre-pub, it's a, a third of what it will cost you if you wait, uh, until the other side. So 49 bucks. Right. Do it now. Do it now. Yeah.